This is the weekly podcast for Connection Community Church for Sunday, November 15th, 2009. Located in Middletown, Delaware, we are dedicated to connecting people to Jesus and the life that he offers. For more information about Connection Community Church and our ministries, please contact us at www.connectioncc.org. If you seek a relationship with Jesus or would like prayer, please call our church offices at 302-378-7692. On behalf of the entire Connection family, we thank you for listening and pray that you are blessed by God's message. Don't you sometimes wish it was that easy? Just take a pill and all your relational challenges will be removed, resolved, reconciled. Can I get an amen on that one? Amen. Yeah. Unfortunately, as we're all painfully aware, there's no such pill. <laughs> and, and the tough reality is uh, resolving relational challenges can be more than just a notion at times, can it? And oftentimes, uh, the relational challenges with our extended family are the toughest of all to resolve. What if? What if there were some things that we could do possibly that, that uh, would make reconciliation not even necessary? Yeah. You know, precautions that we could take that could, would help our relationships before they got to the point where we needed a little reconciliation, whatever that stuff's called. Yeah. Well, good morning, Connection Church. Yeah, I'm Alan Jones. I'm typically over here, and Carrie's here, but she's at the women's retreat, so I'm going to fly solo in the middle of the stage today, okay? I'm a sinner. I've been saved by God's grace in Jesus Christ. So let's pray. Holy God, wow, what a great day you've given us. Mm-mm-mm. That is just glorious, and especially glorious that we get to come in here and just share and praise and together. Pray that you would open our hearts to your spirit at this time, that we would be open to your word, and we once again would realize new life in Jesus Christ. It's in his name and in your Holy Spirit we pray. All Connection Church said, amen. This is week two. This is week two of a four-week series called Family Matters. Today our focus is to seize the three C's when we disagree. Seize the three C's when we disagree. Let's face it, no matter how hard we try to get along, no matter how much we strive for harmony, no matter how much we're committed to that biblical concept of shalom or peace, sooner or later, it seems we have some disagreement, right? Sooner or later. We see things different. We have different values. Our priorities are different. We we talked about this last week when we looked at having realistic expectations of those around us, and especially family and extended family. And, you know, even when those expectations are realistic, there are times when we just don't see eye to eye. And, and this is especially true, can be especially true with our extended family. You know, when children grow up, they move out, they marry, they have their own children, it can be challenging <clears throat> at times, for us to get along. As we shared last week, um, there's a really good book called Loving Your Relatives Even When You Don't See Eye to Eye, put out by uh, Focus on the Family. And the writers of that book, as we said last week, did a, a national survey gathering information on issues dealing with the extended family. 
And, 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 and they found through that survey that anger and conflict thrive in the extended family. Well, duh, right? Like, tell us something we didn't know. Amen? Amen. But here's the other part, though. They, 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 one of the most common answers to, to a question they asked received this. The question was this, how do you resolve conflict in your extended family? And two very common answers were, we don't or we just ignore it. In other words, they kind of sweep it under the carpet. Did you ever sweep things under the carpet? You know what you end up with? A really lumpy carpet. <laughs> if you're not careful, it becomes dangerous because you'll trip over it. and you trip over it, you'll get hurt. That's what happens sometimes when we don't or we just ignore those family conflicts. We end up getting really hurt, don't we? It's not good for ongoing healthy relationships to ignore these, these things that are causing conflict or just don't take a look at them. And, and very important, a part of what, what we talk about here all the time, this book here, we, we see a lot of dysfunctional families here, but the dysfunction isn't the way it's supposed to be, is it? The dysfunction is when we're far from God. When we're close to God, things are in harmony, things are at peace. We're getting along. We're loving one another. We're having those healthy ongoing relationships. In Colossus 3, the book of Colossus, Colossians rather, 3, verse 8, the Apostle Paul tells the church at Colossus, and in so doing he tells us that since we are now raised in Christ, that we should rid ourselves of all such things as anger and rage and malice and slander and filthy language from our lips. In other words, all those things that draw us apart from each other rather than bringing us together. And, and, and here's what Paul says in verse 12. He goes on to say this. He says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves. No, no, clothe yourselves. In other words, cover yourselves with compassion, with kindness, with humility, with gentleness, and with patience. Mm, he's right. That's a mouthful, isn't it? Let me read those again. Passion. Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. In other words, put on the behavior that's basically just the opposite of conflict and anger with those around us, with those family members. And then here's what he goes on to say in verses 13 and 14. He says this, bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. He just really said a mouthful, didn't he? Forgive the grievances, whatever they are, against another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Now he's starting to meddle, isn't he? Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. And the love he's talking about there isn't that uh, mushy love. It's that decision love. It's that agape love. It's that it's that love, uh, no matter what happens, kind of love. You know, at times, <laughs> what he's calling us to here is a real challenge, isn't it? Even with our families, our extended families. But, you know, we shared this before, and we'll be sharing it again. We'll share it this morning. What Jesus tells us in Mark ten twenty seven: with God, all things are possible. Can you say that with me? With God. All things are possible. And if we truly believe that, then that means even our relationships, all things are possible, even that we might get along with people that we never thought we might get along with. That doesn't mean it's going to be easy. 
And it doesn't mean we're not going to need help. That's why we need to pray. Pray for that kindness, for that humility, for that gentleness, patience, and for strength, and not to mention for that love, that agape love that we read of throughout the Scriptures. And we need God's strength also to help us to forgive. Now, the truth is, God's in control of this whole thing. Amen? God's in control. And yeah, it's like a, a thing I heard a while back, you know, where it said, uh, you know, when your ship goes down, you pray to God, but you swim to shore, you know? You don't, you, you kind of try to help God out there. And, and that's what we need to do too. There's some things that we can do in this situation to help the situation in addition to prayer, alongside of prayer. Some practical, and here's the key, act like a mature adult kind of thing. <laughs> Keep that in mind as we go along today. There's act like mature adult kind of things rather than regressing to our childlike behaviors. Those are the type of things, some things that we can do when we disagree, some things we can do in order to control the conflict and the anger. Because our goal, isn't it, is to build the relationships with each other, within our families, especially with our extended families, not to tear them down. We're not called to tear things down. We're called to build things up. And the challenge is, uh, as we shared last week, sometimes the real challenge is we are so far removed sometimes from our family and we get together so infrequently, sometimes it's really hard to build because we don't have enough contact or as much as we might like. Or sometimes we say we've had more than enough contact, but, but we need to deal with that as well. You know, and sometimes since we see each other so infrequently, when we do get together, I found this used to happen with me and my sisters. We, we'd get together and we'd go right back to who we were when we were, I, well, in this case, it would be like 16, 12, and four, you know, and, and eight, 16, because we were four years apart. And here's 12-year-old Alan, smart Alec, giving his sisters a hard time, and then acting, my older sister acting, the, you know, the little snotty-nosed kid brother, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And there we are, right back where we were, instead of trying to be mature adults. And then as parents, we've got to be careful, because all of a sudden, we go back, and even though we've got kids that... In my case, my son I'm looking up to, I, you know, we're treating them like they're this big again and not letting them be the adults that they are. And when that happens, both of these things, when we revert, all of us revert back, everybody suffers. It doesn't help the relationships. That's why we need to seize the three C's when we disagree. It's the three C's. We need to be civil, we need to be calm, and we need to be clear. Let's talk with civility, being civil. Just a couple of tips, a couple pointers here for civility this morning. Tips for being civil when you're relating to your parents. Parents. First of all, assure your parents that you love them. Again, this is a decision. Sometimes it might be a challenge, especially if if they weren't very lovable, but this is your choice. Love them. Assure them that you love them, even when you don't see eye to eye. Just because they see the world differently than you doesn't mean that you can't love them. Wouldn't it be a boring place if all of us saw it exactly the same way, by the way? What a drive. We wouldn't need everybody. All you'd need would be clones of you. Think about that for a minute. Six billion you clones. Kind of a homogenous place, isn't it? Yeah. So love them, even when you don't see eye to eye. Let them know 
realize this, you're not going to change them. Your parents, 65, 70, you ain't changing them. So get over that one. It isn't going to happen. Now, they might change, but you're not going to change them. The only person you're going to change is right here. You, me, ourselves. And here's the, here's the real key. Move on with your life. Don't let their, their stuff keep you from being all you can be and from being what God wants you to be. Okay, tips for adult children, for relating to adult children. Accept them as adults. They're not children anymore. And quit trying to control them. That's not your job. That's not my job. My job isn't to control my three daughters who are now grown up. That's not my job. It was when they were little. They're not little anymore. And here's the other thing, relating to adult children. And this is the easiest thing I'm going to tell you today. Adore their children. Huh? Adore your grandchildren. Amen? Amen. But what does that do? You know, when you adore their kids, they can't help but love you. It's an automatic thing. How about relating to siblings, to your, your brothers and sisters and all those various combinations? Grow up! Grow up! Be act, start acting like an adult. If they want to act like a kid, you can't control that, but I guarantee you, the more you act like an adult, the more they're going to treat you like an adult. Don't revert back to that, like I said, that 12-year-old kid that you were. I, I try not to. Sometimes I'm not successful, but I try very hard. Of course, some of you are saying, do you even know what it's like to be an adult? Yeah, I try. I, I pretend, and, and sometimes. Okay. The other thing is, stay in touch. I mean, I know that's hard because, you know, like, um, it could be spread all over, over the country, all over the world, but Holly Day, come on with the Internet. It doesn't even cost you a dime, does it? It doesn't even cost you a long-distance phone call. It used to cost you money. Now, like, you couldn't be easier to stay in touch with people who are far away. Stay in touch with your siblings. And here again, here's a little thread about little children. Adore your nieces and nephews. <laughs> Love them. They can't help but appreciate that when you are tuned in to their kids. How about some tips for relating to in-laws, to being civil to the in-laws? <clears throat> huh? You hear a little, hear a little grumbling there. <laughs> Accept the reality and just realize this. If someone's going to change, like I said before, it's going to be if you're waiting for the in-laws to change, it's not going to happen. Now, and if it does happen, praise the Lord. You're not going to make it happen, trust me. You can change you, though. And, and here's something we're going to talk a little bit about more later, but if, if, if they come behind you, like maybe you've had this experience where you're maybe at their house, you're trying to help out and you do something, and they come behind you and redo it their way, that has a whole lot more to do with them than it does with you. It has to do with their stuff more than it has to do with your stuff. Let it be their stuff. Don't take that on. And other thing, don't compete with family members. Don't compete with them. Be you. You don't have to be somebody else. Tough enough being you, right? Be civil. Try to get along. Second, be calm. Now, this can be a real challenge, especially when we are angry or getting angry. Amen? They, especially when somebody knows just what buttons to push. And they do. Some people like to see us get upset and they like to push those buttons. But notice what it says in Ephesians 4.26. In your anger, do not sin. 
Things are good. We might get angry, but do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. There's a challenge for you. And do not give the devil a foothold. That's the key. You see, when we get angry, we then lose control, don't we? We lose control of our logic, our brain function. It like says, no more. And then that's an open invitation for the devil to take over, for us to do things and say things that we shouldn't do and say. The time to be calm and to deal with our own feelings is when we are starting to react in anger, not after we're full-blown angry. It's too late then. It's too late. It's already taken a hold, and, and once, the, once you've allowed that anger to control you, uh, it's tough. It's tough to turn it around. As the authors of this same book, Loving Your Relative, share with us, anger is a God-given emotion, and as such, you can't necessarily say it's bad. But as a God-given emotion, we need to learn how to manage and process it in a godly way. that builds relationships, especially family relationships, rather than tearing them down. It's important to remember that that anger is a secondary emotion. The secondary emotion. You know, when you say, you make me so angry. No, that's, that's totally a false statement. Nobody can make you angry. They can do things that uh, have, bring up feelings or then, that then you choose to react in anger. They can't make you angry. The primary emotions oftentimes are guilt, shame, fear, frustration, hurt. So the person does something where you, that you feel hurt or you feel guilt or you feel shame, and then you react by getting angry to it. From the book, an example of what I was talking about before about the coming behind, the, the, the mother-in-law, the daughter's, daughter-in-law is trying to help out and washing the pots and pans. And the mother-in-law comes behind and re-washes them. <laughs> you can imagine how the daughter-in-law feels, and she gets angry. Wouldn't we all? At least a little bit. But getting angry is not what would be helpful is for her to try to figure out, why did I get angry? What was it? It wasn't just that she came behind. What did she stir up in me? Was it that I felt hurt? Did I feel undervalued? Did I feel shame because she did it in front of everybody? Did I feel rejected because I'm her daughter-in-law? Did I feel frustrated because I just don't know how to help this one? You see what I'm saying? Just to say, "Ah, I'm so mad, doesn't do anything other than get you riled up. Understanding why the other person did what they did is very important just as understanding why we got angry or chose to get angry in response. When we can figure it out, it helps us better understand our emotions and helps us to be in a better position to remain calm and not those, let those emotions control us, but so that we can control them and work on this relationship. It's important to remember that we, as we said before, we're not going to change that other person. We can only change ourselves. That's a big enough job right there. And and we are responsible not for their behavior. Whose behavior are you responsible for? Yours. Again, that's job enough right there to take responsibility for that. You know, instead of getting angry, what would happen if, if in this case that we gave here, the daughter-in-law said, 
one thing she could say is, when you rewash the pots and pans, you make me angry. Well, first of all, it's false. You don't make me angry. You actually did something else. I chose to respond in anger. Wouldn't it be better if she said something like this? When, when you rewash the pans, I really feel frustrated and belittled in front of the whole family. And, and, and I often choose to respond in anger. Why, why do you rewash the pans? Are you trying to make me feel bad? Wouldn't that make more sense to try to figure out and get some kind of relationship here? Now, that would be hard, especially with the parent-in-law, because that could be a challenging re- But wouldn't that be better than just getting mad? See, when we're aware of what's triggering our anger, what button is being pushed, we're more, we can more clearly deal with it, and we're in a better position to remain calm and to somehow work this relationship to be better, not worse. Be civil, be calm, be clear. All too under, often our understand, misunderstandings occur because we assume the other person knows what we feel and what we think. Anybody here ever assume somebody knew what you were feeling or thinking and you were wrong? And the rest of them just like to be fit, to not tell. <laughs> Because I think at one time or another, I think we've probably all done that. Make that assumption, and it's, it's not fair to the other person or to yourself. The truth is, with extended family, just as in all our relationships, we can never be too clear. We always need to try our best to be sure that we are communicating as clearly as we possibly can. And the flip side of this is true as well. Are we listening as closely as possible to that other person? In other words, are we trying to hear what that other person is saying as clearly as we can? Because if we're not real careful, it's so easy to, to misunderstand because we're gonna, it's going to go through our filters, and what we hear isn't going to be what they say. If you've ever played the telephone game, I think we've told before, you start with one person, you pump something in their ear to say. And then they say it to the next person. Well, by the third person, it's not the same thing. By the eighth person, it's a whole different... I mean, if you do it like in youth group where you have 20 20 kids in a circle, by the time it gets to 20, it bears no resemblance to the original message because each step along the way, it loses or gains something. When we're doing marriage counseling, uh, premarital counseling, we encourage them to do what's called... uh, um, um, attentive listening. And this sounds kind of weird in a way because what that means is all you do is restate what you heard the person say. And it's especially true, good when the person's going to be saying something that, that might cause you to get a little riled up or something. Uh, an example we use would be like, let's say um, you're marrying somebody who always wants to go to the beach for vacation, but you kind of like the mountains, but you know that they're bent on the beach. And so you might say, you know, honey, um, I know you love the beach, but, but for vacation this year, I'd really like to go to the mountains. And she might say, oh, so what, are, what you're saying is you hate the beach and you love them. No, 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 no. See what just happened? She did. That's what she maybe heard, but that wasn't what that person said. No, no. Let me say it again. I know you love the beach and, and you love the vacation there, but this year, I would really like to vacation in the mountains. And Okay, if I'm hearing you correctly, you're telling me that, that I love the beach, 
and love the vacation there, but you'd really like to go to the mountains this year for our vacation. You think, boy, doesn't that get long after a while? Yeah, I mean, you don't use it like at the dinner table. Pass me the mashed potatoes. Now, if I heard you correctly, you said pass the mashed potatoes, right? I mean, if they end up passing the corn, you can just ask for the potatoes again. Are, are you with me? But I mean, in important things, where especially things that are going to be a little emotionally charged, especially things that are close to we have to make sure that we hear, because oftentimes when they go through our filters, we make changes to them. Not because we try to, but that's just because what we do. We have to be very careful. I would encourage you to try that exercise. And I, I know the first couple times you do it, it sounds really dumb. Now, if I hear you correctly, you're saying, try it. You'd be surprised how often you say, no, that wasn't what I was saying at all. Let me, let me say it again. And you do it a couple times, you'll be starting to listen much more closely to exactly what the person's trying to tell you, what they're trying to convey. I can never re- repeat enough, though, that, it, it, that being clear in communication with others, especially with our family, is absolutely essential, especially with ex- members of our extended family. Here's some advice that James gives us. His book is just such a practical book, you know? It's God-filled, but it's so practical. James 1, 19 through 20. Here's what he says. He says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak. (laughs) Quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. Because our anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Let's say that together. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry, because our anger does not produce righteousness. How often has somebody been talking to you and you're more focused on what you're going to say next than on what they're trying to say to you? That's why it says, be quick to listen. And when you're done listening, then start trying to put together what you're going to say. Because when you're doing it when you're trying to listen, I don't know about you, I'm not a multitasker. I can do one thing at a time well. So I either have to listen or be thinking about speaking. So I've got to listen first and then put it together to talk. In addition to speaking and listening, it's crucial that we always look for the positive. Always look for the positive. And this is a challenge if, if you tend to be a negative person. But it's good to look for the positive. Otherwise, we can always find negative if we look for it. If we look hard enough, we're going to find the bad side. Other thing, too, is if we look hard enough, we're going to find the good side. What would happen uh, if, if, if you tracked, let's say a day you just tracked how much your statements, how many were positive, how many were negative? Here's a good goal. Try for a ratio of five to one. Some psychologists say seven to one. Jesus would probably say a higher number than that, but if it's a challenge, start with five to one and see what happens. Start to say something, oh, man, I've got to say four more plus things before I can say that negative thing. <laughs> oh, gosh, quick say four things so you can get that negative one out there. I know, it's going to be goofy, too. It's even one, two, three. Oh, gosh, can't say that. I gotta wait. Maybe that's a good thing. Maybe that's a good thing. <laughs> Civil, calm, 
clear. Above all positive, sometimes though, even when we do all that, we find ourselves in conflict with family members. Can I get an amen to that one? Even when we try our absolute hardest, sometimes it still just doesn't go right, does it? Why is that? Well, it's because we're human, because we're weak, because we're prideful, because we're self-centered. In a word, it's because we are sinners. Putting ourselves above everyone else at times. Putting ourselves at the center of the universe. And our family members at times do that as well because they're just as human as we are. It's important to remember they're, they're human too and what that means. And that's when we need to, to remember the last part of that Colossians um, uh, uh, passage that we shared earlier, the, uh, verses 13 and 14. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you, and over all these virtues put love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Whatever grieve, not just the picket, whatever grievances. Wow. That's a challenge. And then it says to forgive as the Lord forgives you. Is the Lord willing to forgive you of everything? Golly, what's he asking me to do here? Let it all go? Mm. And then the flip side of the coin is this. I'm going to add this because I think this is appropriate too. Ask others to forgive you when you recognize that that's what you need. I think one of the best words we can learn is, I'm sorry. Not, and I don't mean you use that just willy-nilly. You might not be sorry for your behavior. You may have done everything, but you might be sorry that the relationship isn't what it could be. I'm really sorry we're not seeing, we're not getting along like I wish we would. That can be heartfelt, even though you, you're not really sure what you said that messed things up. You can still be sorry for the relationship. Neither forgiving or asking forgiveness are easy, but they're both necessary at times, even crucial if we are going to have good family relationships. And how do we do that? How do we forgive and ask forgiveness? Well, as with all things, we pray really hard. We pray, we seek God's help. And as we said before, with God, all things are possible. Can you imagine now? Can you imagine how different our lives could be? How different our lives will be if we're able to have not only harmonious, but thriving relationships, not with a few, but with, gosh, maybe all of our family members? I know this seems kind of far-fetched. It seems real far-fetched. I mean, you're thinking right now, you can probably pick out five family members, you're just thinking they're going to keep that from happening. But speaking of far-fetched, don't we celebrate a far-fetched God? A God so far-fetched that he was willing to let his son die on a cross so that you and I might live, so that we might be forgiven. That's pretty far-fetched. I think that's the most far-fetched of anything in the world or out of this world. 
it's really not that far-fetched that we might be able to have thriving relationships with all our family. Who knows? With God, all things are possible. Got to pray. encourage you at the end of the service today, pray. You can pray in your seats. Come up and pray. There's a prayer corner in the back. A couple people back there just would love to pray with you. You'd like somebody to pray with. Because these things, again, they're not easy, but they're crucial. They're important. Yeah. Three C's when we disagree. Be, uh, be civil, be calm, be clear, be positive, forgive, seek forgiveness. Above all, look to God for that strength and that courage in all that we do. And always remember this. Why are we so willing to put all of this time and energy and prayer and stuff into family matters? Well, it's because pure and simple, family matters. Let's pray. Holy God, wow. What a challenge, but hmm. I pray that you could help us see what you see (laughs) in those other people in our family that we have trouble getting along with. Help us see them as you see them. Help us see them in, in, in your eyes, not with our eyes. Help us to see them as Christ would see them. Help us to, to see them with that, with that filter of love. And then to, to, to be in relationship with them accordingly. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for listening to our weekly message from Connection Community Church. If you would like more information about what you just heard, or if you seek a relationship with Jesus, please call our church offices at 302-378-7692. You can also find out more about our ministries and upcoming events on our website at www.connectioncc.org. Thank you again for listening, and may this be the greatest week of your life.